Sit in Friends in the Morning. 77 WABC. Diamond celebrating a birthday today. My man Neil, 83 years old today. This classic America, Neil Diamond. We're going to go to Israel, though. It's like we're going to do this weekend. Go from America to Israel. Got four live shows coming up starting on Monday from the lovely JNS Studios in Jerusalem. And you've been listening to this show since October the 7th. You know Alex Trayman's name. He has done unbelievable reporting for us. And others, but us, courageous and just great. And he's allowing us, we didn't even ask him, he just volunteered this, allowing us to use his studios to bring this show to you next week live from Israel. So we're forever in debt. Here's our friend Alex Trayman in Jerusalem this morning. Good morning, Alex. Good morning, Sid. How are you today? Doing well, thank you. Is there a gym anywhere near the uh, the studios? Absolutely. The gym goes by, my wife goes there, and we'll get you in there, no problem. Like walking distance, really? Like three minutes long. Oh, that's awesome. Okay, great. Okay. Uh, thank you for that. Now, I feel a lot better because Justin, he doesn't care, but uh, I do. So uh, I can't stand hotel gym. I don't think I can get the chicken farm, though. Okay, we don't do that over here. <laughs> yeah. I know you don't do cheese and meat, but I was told you can still get good Italian food in Israel. You can, you can. Oh, I'm the same. Okay, but I want to, on a serious note, um, because we're going to have a little bit of fun, absolutely, we're looking forward to spending Shabbos dinner at your house, Alex, with your lovely family, can't wait to meet all of you, but on a serious note, it was a very bloody day yesterday for the Israeli army, Uh, two separate uh, incidents, maybe three, 24 of our kids were killed, 21 in one explosion, now initially they said it was Hamas, then we heard here that the Israelis may have very well made a mistake and detonated their own bombs. But now we're hearing again this morning that it was Hamas. So who is responsible? By the way, no matter what happened, it's still Hamas, because if they didn't attack on October the 7th, those people wouldn't be there in the first place. So even if it was Israel, Hamas did it. But who really was responsible for that bombing yesterday? Well, early on in the war, when the IDF uh, wanted to destroy a building, they, they did it with artillery and from the air. And as the wars progressed, uh, what they've been doing is uh, sending the engineering corps into buildings after they clear them out and uh, then basically laying mines inside the buildings for controlled demolitions. Well, let me stop you for a and second. So, and and, 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 and are they, I was told they were doing that because of the pressure from Biden and the United States to stop bombing. Right. So there's on the one hand, there's there has been pressure. On the other hand, uh, depending on who you speak to, um, people are saying inside the military that they're doing that because they actually are trying to preserve 
the uh, weapons that the Air Force has to use in case this war has to go into southern Lebanon, where they might not have the opportunity to do things uh, the more low-tech way that they're doing them in Gaza, and they'll need to work faster. Uh, and that also comes down to U.S. pressure because it's a question of how fast the United States can, if they will, uh, restock some of these supplies. Um, so, uh, yes, the, in both cases, there's there's different considerations. So what happened is that they're they're laying down these uh, explosives inside two uh, adjacent buildings, two-story buildings in the Gaza Strip. And as this is taking place, uh, Hamas terrorists fired an RPG at a tank. Uh, which was guarding the soldiers inside the buildings. And somehow when the RPG uh, hit the tank, um, uh, the detonation device triggered and exploded while the uh, Israeli soldiers were inside the buildings and they were basically uh, crushed under these explosions. Oh, my God. Uh, That was uh, 21 of our soldiers. How did the other three uh, die yesterday? Uh, In in, in gunfights, yeah, with uh, just um, other battles with, with terrorists inside the Strip. You know, you talked about the United States. There'll be some onus on us to uh, restock Israel. They're fighting in the north. They're fighting in the south. And you've got all these different groups, all, mind you, funded by Iran, who Biden has helped fund in not one but two administrations. I remind you of that every time because I don't want to hear he's a friend of Israel. That's nonsense. Um, but uh, between the Houthis and you got the Hezbollah and you got Hamas and the Muslim Jihad the Brotherhood and all these groups, and you've got now the they're attacking America. There was in Iraq. And it's been in Yemen. It's this thing is exploding all over the place, and it does beg the question: Does Israel have the people, the weaponry, and all of that without a lot of help from other folks to do what they need to do to really eradicate terrorism? You know, I think they do, but you're you're getting to a very important point here that I think a lot of Americans don't understand, which is that the United States has been funding and arming all sides of every conflict uh, in the Middle East. You mentioned Iran. Obviously, they're providing money and funding to the Palestinian Authority. They provide the majority of the funding towards UNRWA, which is the the organization that deals with the quote-unquote refugee crisis of Palestinians uh, that are perpetual refugees up to the fourth generation here uh, in Israel um, to the tune of $1.6 billion a year. They provide weaponry to Egypt, uh, to to Jordan and Saudi Arabia, and then they say that they're going to uh, make sure that Israel has a qualitative military edge. That means that they give Israel more than they give the others, but essentially they're they're funding all sides uh, of the conflict, and and it has proven itself to be a very very dangerous formula that has not brought peace any closer. Wow. So what do um what do the people in Israel? And I know they go about their life regularly, and like you said, uh, I think you said to me a couple of days ago, Sid, you'll be in Jerusalem, you won't even feel like, you won't even know there's a war going on unless there's some crazy lone wolf terrorist attack. You won't even know it. But what is the feeling on the streets? Is there still optimism? Netanyahu gets it done. The hostages at some point will be released. Is there a cer- certain Israelis who feel a certain case of dread? What is the overall, do you think, emotion from Israelis on the streets? I mean, I think most Israelis have their kishkas tied up in in knots right now over what's going on. And there is definitely a mistrust in the leadership that has allowed 
October 7th to happen, not just because of a failure of intelligence leading up to the attack, not just because of a security failure on the day of October 7th and failing to respond quickly enough to prevent the deaths of more people and the kidnapping of you know, 240 uh, Israeli citizens, but also on the conception. Uh, that have led up to October 7th, which was that, you know, you can cede land uh, to the Palestinians and, and get peace in return, uh, you know, that you can kick the can down the road, that you know, everything that you're hearing about what they're doing and building the rockets and the tunnels, that ultimately they're not going to use them because they're they're sane uh, and rational actors and, uh, you know, they, they, they value uh, economic opportunities, you know, over war with Israel. And, and all of this has proved to be just a, an utter failure. And there's been a lot of political chaos in Israel for for years and, and in the months leading up to uh, October 7th. And there, there's not a lot of faith right now on any side of the political spectrum that uh, that the leadership can unite the country in the long term. And, and there's doubt about whether they'll go all the way and ultimately get the job done here. Wow. Okay, well, listen, I can't wait to see you on Monday. I know we'll talk a couple of times before, but uh, again, from the bottom of my heart, I want to thank you for this tremendous opportunity and for what you guys have volunteered to help us with. It means a lot, Alex, so you stay safe, and I'll see you literally in four days, my man. Thank you so much. Looking forward to it. Thanks so much. Me too. Alex Trayman right there, JNS. That wraps up another Sitting Friends in the Morning show. Done on a Wednesday. Lou Rafino, Justin Ellick, Noam Layden. All you guys did a tremendous job. As my dear friend Gene would say, God willing, we'll all do it again for a 6 a.m. Bill O'Reilly Thursday show. Until then, from all of us to all of you, New York, peace. Freedom's life burning Ohio, ready for some quick mental health facts? Let's go. Nearly 2 million Ohioans live with a mental health condition. In the U.S., more than 50% of people will be diagnosed with a mental illness in their lifetime. Depression is a leading cause of disability worldwide. So why are some of us still stigmatizing people living with a mental health condition when we know all of this? Let's listen to the facts and beat the stigma. Ohio, challenge what you know about mental health at beatthestigma.org.